everybody, and welcome to Zero Compromise, helping you stand for truth in a world that falls for lies. I'm Patricia Engler, joined here at the Creation Museum by Jessica Jaworski, a.k.a. JJ. Hello. And Rocket Rob. What's up, guys? So what do we have for our listeners today? We talked to Dr. David DeWitt, a neuroscientist, and he had a lot of really great things to say about his time in secular university and standing on the authority of God's word through that, what that looks like. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about this interview. Make sure you guys stay tuned for the whole interview. Um, Very emotional, very real talk, real experience about what it's like to actually be a biblical creationist in this secular university format. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. That's right. He does have some good practical examples. So we don't want to make you wait any longer. So we'll hop straight to that interview and we'll see you after. All right. All right, well, we are here at the College Expo at the Ark Encounter, and we have Dr. David DeWitt with us, who is the Dean of Science at the Columbia International University. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Great to be here. That's awesome. So first of all, I was just kind of curious about your backstory, how you got interested in science. You're in neuroscience, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, so what is the story of how God kind of led you into your field and into what you're doing now? Well, I got interested in science when I think most people, and that's actually like in middle school, when you have a real inspirational biology teacher, then um, it just gets you excited about it. And that's when I got interested in the brain. And then I went to Michigan State, did biochemistry, and it was while I was at Michigan State that I kind of believed in God but I didn't understand the gospel until partway through college. I was a biochemistry major, and I thought God used evolution to create. I was going to church, but it's kind of a default. Uh, And I read Psalms. It said the word of the Lord was flawless, and it really hit me hard. And realized that evolution required millions of years of death, and yet the Bible says death came after the fall. That's right. And so that that was really huge to me. Did you have a Christian background before, or was that your first time in God's Word, or did you have that foundation to begin with? Well, I, I had gone to church, but I didn't get it, Sure. if you know what I mean. And so, you know, your family went to church, but I, I just didn't connect. So, and I, I didn't think the Bible was all that reliable because it had been translated so many times. And, you know, so you just kind of, you know, you pick that kind of thinking up from the media and culture and school. And, and so that, that was kind of just where I was until partway through college. Like I said, when I understood what the gospel was, that if I believe that, Jonah was in the whale for three days. Why can't I believe that God created in six? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually what we were talking about just in the last episode is you can't pick and choose different things you want to believe in the Bible. If you say, if you tell generations that you don't have to believe what's in that first book, why believe the rest? Why believe the gospel of Matthew? Why believe the gospel of John if you can't believe Genesis, what Jesus actually directly quotes from Genesis over and over again? So, um so like Patricia said, we're, we're here at the Expo. So what are some of the unique conversations you've been having over the last couple of days with maybe some of the students coming to uh, your guys' booth at Columbia? Uh, what, what are some interesting things that you've been noticing? Uh, the range of interests that the students have. 
uh, everything from aviation to paleontology. And I think of, I've been pleasantly surprised at some of the younger kids, seventh and eighth grade, mm-hmm. and they don't sound like a seventh or kids eighth grade. They ask they're, amazing questions. They're smarter than we think. They they, they, they ask some good questions. They, they really are. I was like, yeah. what are you, like a senior <laughs> in a seventh grade body? Because they're, they're very clearly very serious about their faith and very serious about what they're studying. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I, I'm glad that y'all have from seventh grade down. Um, one mom said, you know, thank you for spending so much time with my son who's only in eighth grade. And I said, well, eighth graders go to college too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. You know, so it's, you know, don't, um, well, one verse that really has meant a lot to me, um, more so when I was younger, is from Tim- Timothy right? Don't, don't despise your youth. That's right. And that was, I kind of clung to that when I was in my twenties as I I was studying scripture and kind of looking at people who are older that like didn't seem to, to quite get it. And so I said, okay, I'm going to set an example as what Paul admonished Timothy to do. Did you find it difficult after you had solidified um, your stance on Scripture and the authority of God's Word when you were in college, when you were in school? Was it was it difficult to stand on the authority of God's Word in that cultural environment, and how did you overcome that if it was? Well, it was actually different in the 80s and 90s than it is today, where you didn't feel so um, isolated. And even though you kind of knew that you were like going against the grain, it wasn't like the world was coming against you. And so in college, I had a lot of Christian friends. And I, even, I took a Old and New Testament class, and there were a lot of Christian kids in the class. This was at a state university. And if the, if the professor kind of got off track, then a bunch of people would raise their hands and say, you didn't feel alone. And even Bible studies in the dorm. And so it's, it, it was very different. I did in my PhD program, um, I didn't, I had some personal, uh, but nothing that was against me towards finishing my degree or anything like that where it may be a little more difficult today, yeah. even to get accepted at many places. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of students wrestle with the fear of man today because as soon as you find out that mm-hmm. you're a creation scientist, there's a lot, there's a um, this pressure where you almost lose your credibility as a scientist if people find out that you are a creationist. And it, see, I faced um, I faced some choices. So one I remember. I was not quite done with my PhD and was applying and interviewing for a community college teaching adjunct position. And there was an issue regarding origins that came up in the paper. And it was, so do I write the letter to the, I wrote a letter to the editor and do I send this knowing that I might not get that job? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I, I'm going to, I'm going to trust the Lord. 
and they called because they verified that you sent letters before they print them. They called me to verify that I sent the letter. And so I had another chance to back up. And I remember at the time just thinking that. And it was like, if I back down, then I'll always back down. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to back down. I'm going to claim the letter. Yeah. They didn't print it. Wow. They didn't print it, which I found interesting. It was just like a, it was just like, like a test for me. And so I've had those. I did um, radio interviews for ICR radio. And I remember, so is this going to jeopardize my getting grants or getting mm-hmm. publications? That's interesting. And it's like, so, okay, no, I'm, I'm going to do that. And there are some scientists that are creationists that they'll write, but they'll use a fake name. Uh-huh, yeah. And I'm not going to criticize that. But for me personally, I just knew I have to I have to just take the risk and trust that God's gonna take care of me and whatever he's gonna accomplish what he's gonna accomplish. Obviously, it shows that the schools are not neutral, especially in that research kind of environment right there. Like you were talking about getting those grants, getting that money, and something I want to get your take on. I've always heard because you're. You're in this academic world day in and day out. Um, would you say that the belief in evolution or the belief in millions of years, if you were to deny one of those two, which one typically gets the bigger response? Is it is it rejecting evolution or is it rejecting the millions of years? Because we were talking a little bit about that creationist, you know, like Jessica was talking about, and the old earth creationist, young earth creationist. Something I've always heard is, you know, it's, it's okay, yeah, you don't believe evolution, but you have to at least believe millions millions of years, right? Um, So from your experience, have you kind of seen that in the academic world? I haven't seen a distinction between those things. It's been pretty much all or none. Okay. Um, Because your your old earth creationists mostly throw in with the evolutionists. When when it comes down to it, they're going to be on their side not on mine as a young earth creationist. Gotcha. So, so you're saying from a practical point of view, usually you're either millions of years and evolution or not at all, like like in the young earth creation kind of camp there. Yeah. And even I remember this was, uh, there was a university I would go and speak at in a science class. And I would have that professor come and speak to my creation class. And... um I would give my scientific credentials for his class, and he would give how many years he taught Sunday school when he came to my <laughs> class. And uh, we stopped doing it shortly after. He wanted me to say that he was a creationist because he believed in God, but he believed in evolution in millions of years and was actually anti-intelligent design. And I said, I can't say you're a creationist because in any meaningful sense of the word, it doesn't apply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then maybe if you want to spend a few minutes as well talking about some of the resources, I know you've re- you've written articles for us, and you even have some books. One of the books here, Unraveling the Origins Controversy. Uh, maybe if you want to talk for a few minutes about in terms of uh, just a high level, thirty thousand foot kind of altitude level of some of these articles, good resources that a college student maybe can look into, maybe. Uh, 
just even based on some of the stuff that we've been talking about over the last 10 minutes, um, any, any good links or any resources would be helpful for young, young people today. Yeah, the book Unraveling the Origins Controversy, that was written for a non-majors undergraduate course on creation. And I wanted to have a book that would teach my biology colleagues, but that my mom would be able to read. Perfect. Which was was a little tough to find (laughs) that balance of, okay, we're going to actually have some difficult concepts but if I can explain it in a way that's easy to understand, then I'm not going to lose people. And mm-hmm. so some of the technical terms are bold, and then they're defined afterwards. So it's it's pretty um, it's pretty comprehensive. And there's a discussion guide also that we have with it. My wife helped me write. Um, my main areas in creation have been related to the origin of life and cellular complexity, as well as uh, human origins. And although I'm a cell biologist, neuroscientist, um, um, I think the human origins issue is the more important one for people to understand. and it seems very complicated because they have all these technical terms, Australopithecus and all of this. Mm-hmm. But uh, what, and it, it was daunting to me to get involved in it. But what I realized pretty quick was there actually aren't that many fossils. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to like actually note that much volume of information. And I, I learned that when I had um, access to many. Um, cast of skulls and I'm like wait a minute I have as many skulls as they have I have more skulls than they had on display at the Smithsonian at that at the time and so if I would see an article and they were talking about oh actually I touched the model of that skull so um, but it also that's where the rubber meets the road I think because if you're looking at um, you look at creation, okay, that God made Adam and Eve directly. Um, I think that that point actually means that there's no alternative but a young Earth. It wasn't it wasn't millions of years to get the first man and woman. And that it shows we're not connected to the animals. That Adam wasn't born. And in this day and age, that yes, there is male and female. Mm-hmm. We're made in, in the image of God and we're to have dominion over his creation. Yeah. Correct. And not abuse it and right. not pollute and mm-hmm. those types yep. of things, but we don't need to worship the creation either. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I think as we're wrapping up here, any other final thoughts before we... I did have one question, actually, because I was thinking that a bunch of our listeners, we, we're a Young Adults podcast, so there are going to be some people who kind of like me are maybe in grad school right now, or they're looking at master's and PhD programs, and since you've gone through all of those more like higher level things, just what your advice might be for someone 
who's a Christian who is either thinking about or going into those like grad school, um, doctoral level classes, just I'd be curious what your advice would be for getting through those higher levels of education. Yeah, well, first, there is not a field that is not in desperate need of God-honoring, Bible-believing Christians to be in. Solid. Let's take it back. There's there's not a field that it's not a desperate need. I can't emphasize that enough. And there's also a desperate need for people that are willing to actually take a stand, even if it might cost. And what I've been thinking a lot about Daniel and... Right. The people that were against him, what they said was, if we're going to find something against Daniel, it has to be about his God. That showed, He wasn't hiding. He was bold in his mm-hmm. faith. That's a good point. He, they knew that he believed in the Lord. It, it wasn't a secret. And they knew he had such integrity. And so someone, I I heard this before, they said, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? So is, is there a track record? Are there witnesses that would say, yes, this person is a believer in Jesus? And if there's not then why not? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And it, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a risk in some cases, but the Lord's still on the throne the last I checked. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so if he's called you to throw your career away or put your career on the line, well, then he will take care of you. Like Jessica was saying, do you fear God or fear man? That's what it comes right. down to. And, it, you know, in Esther... Right. Who knows but that you've been put in this position for such a time as this. And it and also it's not necessarily that you're actually going to throw your career away. Because God's still on the throne. He can protect you. Yeah. He's in he's in charge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We have to remember that the world it doesn't hate us, it hates Jesus. Like Jesus said, the world hated me first, but at the same time, we have to remember that he is on his throne. He's sovereign over all things, and he's in control over all things. And as Christians, we have that hope. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, thank, thank you again for joining us, David. Real quick, if you want to just let our listeners know about Columbia, if they want to learn more, where are some good places they can go to check out your university? Yeah, uh, Columbia International University. Our website is ciu.edu, so that's real easy to remember. Yeah. Um, Even I can remember that. <laughs> Three right. letters there. And uh, we've just started our biology, biomedical science, and nursing programs. And we have online programs, uh, seminary. Um, it's a well-rounded university. Yeah, very cool. And again, we're at the expo this year, and uh, hopefully you guys will be at the expo again next year. So if you guys want to talk to maybe Dr. DeWitt or anyone from Columbia, make sure you come on out to the answer center to the Ark Encounter, and we'd love to have you guys. That's right. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for sharing. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. 
Wow, what a great conversation we have with Dr. David DeWitt. What'd you guys think about that? Yeah, it was it was fantastic. It really reminded me of um, Acts 529, where it says we must obey God rather than men and standing on the authority of God's word in the midst of secular university. That's right. I love that authenticity. And I also really appreciated his point about um, drawing on the book of Daniel there, how you need to make up your mind ahead of time to stand firm and follow Christ. I remember hearing a sermon about that once, and it's just always stuck with me. And I also loved what he said about when he put yourself on the line like that, when you're trusting in God, it is kind of a leap of faith, but then you can trust that if that's what God wants you to do, he'll take care of you one way or another. That doesn't mean you won't get hurt in the process. I mean, Jesus got hurt process. as well. In the process. I knew the someone would call that's, me on that's, that little... That's a special process. <laughs> yeah. that's a process. That would come out as soon as I said, I'm like, oh, I sounded like a Canadian there, but hey, it is it is the Canadian proper way to a. pronounce I things. I think you mean so. A. Yeah. <laughs> So definitely appreciated his points and his vulnerability as well. So big shout out to Dr. DeWitt for helping us out today. Yeah, and again, just standing firm on his foundation. And that's one of the things I really admired about him is just standing firm on the faith no matter what's going to happen. Because that's what Jesus says to us. He says, come to me, come to me to die carry your cross daily. So when we come to Christ, we're not promised a great life, a rich life, a fulfilling life, but we are promised that while we go through these trials and tribulations, He will be with us throughout Amen. it all. Mm-hmm. And that's what we get to look forward to. We get to look forward to the new heavens and the new earth where there will be no more death, suffering, crying, or pain. And so um, I think you also have a book I think we want to also... <laughs> that's right. So since we had been talking about getting through secular university, there's a whole book about that. Um, I wrote it based on my own experience at Secular University, but also from talking to Christian students all over the world who have been in challenging situations as Christian young people in the higher education system. Tons of practical, practical tips for you in there. So it's called Prepare to Thrive, a survival guide for Christian students. You can find it on our Answers in Genesis website, AnswersInGenesis.org. Encourage you to check that out. Come on down to the museum. She'll even autograph it for you. <laughs> That's for right. Free. We'd love to see you there or at the Ark. So hope to see you. And meanwhile, keep standing on the truth of God's word with zero compromise. See you guys later. God bless.